listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half an hour or so we're going to be talking about all things drink, mostly, actually. Um, welcome to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd. Have you dried out from last week? Yeah, do you know, I actually... I, Fred was insane. I thought about actually wearing a raincoat today, just in case someone started spraying me with water again, you know. I sort of, I've, I've just about, um, we've just about swabbed down the studio because I've got yeah. jam everywhere mm. and on my white trousers and everything, but yeah. um, they're going to be You look cleaner. great today, Sue, it's fine. Yeah, I never trust you when you give compliments. Hey. You told me to be nice last no, week. So yeah, it's okay. I don't like so it when you're nice, nice, actually. No, I does it like just it. unnerve you? Yeah, it does. You I don't seem like it. Ask well, a you favor. smile like a crocodile when you say stuff mm. like that. That's the yeah. thing. Um, now then, we have um, uh, we've only got one guest in the studio today, David Begg of Real Kombucha. Welcome, David. Thank you very much. Lovely to be Now, here. we've got loads and loads of sort of like wine glasses in front of us, empty ones, I hasten to add. We've got a box full of, I don't know, some type of drink, um, with loads and loads of ice. And I have to say, I don't really know much about kombucha, although I'm seeing it everywhere. Do, do you? I, I'm, I have... No, no is probably the best answer I can give. No. Um, I have now, seen people make it. Yeah, really? But, you know... Now, um, I know we're not allowed to make health claims because because it's not proven. Um, uh, but I would like to talk a little bit about gut health because um, we're seeing uh, this as a real... Driver, I think, to some mm. to to some of the products that we're seeing out there, and um, particularly this link between gut health and general health, which never you never used to hear about this. I don't know, five, six, ten years ago. Um, but but there's a real there seems to be a real thing about analysing that you know the contents of your stomach really and making sure that you have um, as many of these different sort of microbes, you know, um, in in inside your system which actually are going to act uh, uh, as some sort of protection against all sorts of stuff um that's really coming to the fore isn't it gut health it is and it's interesting if you look at something like yogurt as being probably one of the mm. kind of the the big categories that sort of benefited from this you know a while ago yogurt was considered something you know you wanted to you know, not eat a lot of and not necessarily trying to good cut down, you, on cut dairy, down on yeah. and people are still trying to cut down dairy but actually i think a lot of um brands sort of started to raise the profile of, you know, this idea of good, you know, I think people like Yaolt did quite a lot in this regard of, you know, putting something in your system that helps your system. Um, yeah, it started off with that, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. I think they really, yeah. they really started driving it. And, you know, I think people are more and more interested in, you know, it's, it's a glib thing to say, but health and wellness. And it's sort of, uh, you know, they're sort of looking beyond, you know, the simple things, mm. you know. To try and find so um, your body contains trillions of microbes, most of which are beneficial. The most dense microbe population is in your gut, where they play a critical role in digestion, digestion, immune function, and weight regulation. I think so. Say, so Parliament was the most. <laughs> no, no, that's, 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 the, that, that's the other area. Yeah, bacteria may influence our behaviour via the 100 million neutrons in our gut. This is why our gut is known as the second brain, apparently. 
Studies have associated microbes with a lower incidence of cancer, heart disease, liver disease, diabetes, allergies, etc., etc. Now, we're not saying here that certain foods do that. We're saying that you know, a, a great variety of microbes in your gut um, can help. Um, and what you, what you eat can quickly change your microbes. So are you eating the right foods to help your good gut bacteria? And most um, sort of uh, people in this area will say that vegetables from the sunflower family, and that's artichokes, radicchio, lettuce, chicory, and the lily family, so, you know, leeks, um, shallots, onions, garlic, asparagus, are particularly helpful to gut bacteria. And if you eat a wide range of plant-based foods, that will give you the most um, diverse microbes. Now, I did read somewhere the other week where some doctor person saying you have to eat 50 different plant varieties a day to be, you know, extremely healthy, which I think is probably completely at the top and challenging. Um, um, but also we do need more fibre. So that's whole grain, veg, fruit, pulses, nuts and probiotic foods such as live yogurt, which is mm. exactly what you were saying, Ollie, and fermented foods. So you can get that in some cheeses like... Um, feta, uh, extra virgin olive oil and avoid highly processed foods. I think we probably know all that stuff or we have known that stuff for, for many, many years but I don't think people were associating it with your, your gut being healthy. No, I, well I mean I think it was a more sort of loose and if I think someone like my mother who is you know, I think very aware of what she eats and the way it makes her feel, I think there are people who understand the connection between what you're eating, how you and your body feel but I think it was more sort of loose in that mm. sense. It was tying what you eat and your body rather than your gut as being the sort of the second brain, as you call it. Mm. And and um, kombucha, which I am going to ask David in a minute what it is, because I'm not entirely sure myself, is, is a probiotic. So, again, we're not saying that there are proven medical studies, but apparently, because it is probiotic, like lots of different probiotics, it should be good for gut health. So, David... Hmm. What is kombucha for a start? Right, let's come back to <laughs> have I pronounced it. Have I pronounced it right and you what have, is it? You have. Kombucha is just fermented tea. So kombucha is a natural fermentation of sweet tea. Uh, it's been around for thousands of years, just in the same way that a wine or a beer is a fermentation of grapes or, or grain. Uh, you take a sweet tea. At some point in the you know, thousands of years back, someone would have left a glass of uh, of tea, uh, a sweetened tea on the side, and uh, it, yeast and bacteria from the from the atmosphere around it would have colonised that that cup of tea and turned it into kombucha. Um, so different to wines and beers where we are, as humans, working really hard to stop any bacteria getting there and gobbling, gobbling up all the alcohol that the yeast is producing, we are massively supportive of that. In nature around us, uh, nature doesn't produce high levels of alcohol. Nature produces half a percent. Our bodies are naturally mm. able to metabolize that sort of level. So kombucha ends up as being something that's around a half a percent alcohol, uh, but has all of the uh, the flavor profile of a wine, champagne, cider. To well, I'm bit. going to test you here because I haven't tasted one I like mm. yet. But, but it looks <laughs> just me. Just, just stick That's with the process me, one second. Mm. So, so, you, so you're leaving a sweetened <clears throat> tea. Because so, people make it at home, don't they? I, mean, they I do. understand this they is not do. helping your business. But, no, you know, no. you can take a large, and I've seen this certainly done at the Great British Chefs offices, mm. you know, you take a large glass bowl container yep. and you put tea with sugar in it. That's right. And then you let it sit. Yep. And then some weird alien-type species forms on top of it. What that is is just. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, David. He's not very articulate. <laughs> well, it is. Quite what he means is it ferments. It ferments. Well, no, but it's th- it's, it's, there's this kind of very thick, weird skin. 
on the top. Well, yeah, skin forms on the yeah. top of it, but act, it's it's called a scoby, a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. That is what is in the uh, in the kombucha, which uh, converts it into kombucha from tea into kombucha. Uh, what you're forming on the top of it is just what's called in the trade a pellicle. It's a thin skin which can thicken up over time of uh, of cellulose. Uh, the same thing happens in a lot of beer production. You still you get a you get a form of skin form, on the on the top. Maybe not quite as thick as we get <laughs> yeah. on the top of ours, yeah. uh, but it's it's the same as as any normal fermentation. It's slight difference is that in beer we don't then go and look at the that alien form or that that yeah. wad of yeast at the bottom of it. Uh, somehow in kombucha, there's a fascination for uh, for that. Uh, but human beings have been fermenting stuff for thousands and thousands and thousands of years because presumably it is a natural process and somebody would have left I don't know some apples or some something out or or or, or noticed that that things were happening as as with human beings we always try and eat everything yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) we're omnivores and 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 obviously people are tasting oh actually that's interesting that thing that's rotting which we would describe um you know but fermentation of all sorts of things has always been part of the, the human diet yeah Fermentation is nature's natural means of preservation. Mm. So in nature, if you, you know, an apple, uh, as it comes off the tree, you'll see a, a bloom of white uh, dust on it. That is yeast. Uh, we are surrounded by bacteria in the atmosphere. On your skin, you have billions of bacteria. Um, and uh, kombucha or other fermented food and, foods and drinks are just... Um, are just a product of that natural level of fermentation. Uh, so yes, we have naturally consumed an apple as it's fermented, uh, an orange, a banana, a uh, you know meats are fermented naturally and, and but, have preserved. But you do have process. to be careful, don't you? You have to know what you're doing because actually that could also be incredibly dangerous if you if you know if you've got the wrong type of food or or it's been left in the wrong way. With certain foods, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert on. Uh, on rotting of food. I was going to say, you couldn't just leave a bit of you know, chicken out and no, just see what happens to that. No, exactly. so, so we're not suggesting that, but it no. has to be the right, it has to be under control and the right That's thing. Right. And, you know, but you do play with it. Like, I mean, often if you talk to Indian chefs when they talk about the best lamb chops, they will talk yeah. about how the meat is literally rotting. It's It's not, you know, the freshest cut. It's actually stuff that's really, really been allowed to hang and kind of like starts to develop a life of its own and you don't necessarily feel great the next morning when you had them on the streets of Bombay but you know they do taste but when you go down to Smithfields for example you'll see amazing cuts of meat where somebody's hung you know dry aged beef for you know weeks and weeks and weeks and it's black Mm. but actually for human beings that's I would assume easier actually to digest than 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 very very raw fresh mm. meat. Um, that's absolutely true, and that's yeah. one of the main characteristics of fermentation. That actually it's breaking down a lot of the uh, of the undigestible elements of fruits, vegetables, meats, other mm. things, and allowing you to digest it much more easily. So um, I, I famously probably don't like kombucha because I've never tasted anything I liked, right. and I think the reason for me is it's got that it's a slightly sour edge. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is deliberate, isn't it? That that is the taste of com- uh, kombucha. Well, or, look. isn't it? But you also like Negroni. I uh, know, and you know what? And that's why I can't understand why I don't like com- kombucha because often it does have a. a and what's sour the other thing taste. you really like as well, which we talk about a lot? Um, Negroni. No, but there's no. There's another cocktail spirit you like. I like quite a lot of cocktails. <laughs> but no, but I, 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 I don't. I don't think you're. 
I, I I'm not anti-sour at all. No, no. I think you're quite exactly. pro-sour, actually, so mm. I'm interested you don't normally like this. Well, let, let's Here so, we go. So talk to me about the sour element, right. or is that just me? Because because you're saying it's, it's you know, generally sweetened. It's a no. more mature palate, isn't it, wouldn't you say? I would absolutely say that. <laughs> no, but look, it, you are sweetening it in order to ferment. You, ferment fermentation is the conversion of sugars. so yeah, It won't happen sugar. without sugar. Yeah, yeah, you have absolutely. to have sugars there in order to ferment. Mm. But in our drinks, most of that uh, sugar is fermented out. There are kombuchas out there that have got high levels of sugars. We've got a very low level uh, as we ferment through most of that. Um, but it also, um, in the natural process of fermentation, you are producing acids. So it depends on which um, food stuff that you are fermenting but you will end up with an acidity because bacteria is producing acids in in fermentation now it's just though depends on how good you are at, at controlling that fermentation as the flavors that you pull out of it if i you know when i first you know, first stuck a first pot of kombucha on the side uh if, I mean, I was lucky in my first fermentation was great, but I have had some pretty horrible ones that went yeah. uh, in the meantime because you get all sorts of um, of off flavours that can be produced uh, in fermentation, just like you can produce in, in beers and wines if they're not controlled. But it takes a lot of R&D and a lot of development uh, and a lot of control to be able to get a great-tasting wine great tasting beer or a great tasting kombucha at the end and then replicate it so it tastes exactly the same every time that's that's i think that's the hard bit that's right so so um what tea are you using Uh, you know you've experimented quite a bit what tea do you use now yeah well we we have experimented with over 150 different teas it must be i've said that for for a couple of years now so it's probably closer to 200 now um uh, to really explore the flavor profiles of kombucha because uh, we look at our teas as a winemaker looks at their grapes. You can produce an incredible range of flavour out of wine, just like you can cre- create an incredible range of flavour out of out of kombuchas. We don't post flavour. Most people out on the market there yeah. are putting secondary flavourings in. And I think it. that's probably the bit I don't like, possibly. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> We're going to find out. We are well, we'll find see. out in a we'll see. Yeah. You know, not, it's not to everyone's taste, and no, I don't no, pretend no. it is, but mm. um, we very seldom get someone who doesn't uh, like our kombuchas. Um, but so we work with only really exquisite fine teas. So there are three that we produce uh, in in our main products now. One is a first flush Darjeeling tea, which is known in India as the champagne of teas. So the most exquisite Indian tea you can buy. I tried sixteen of those the other day at a panel test. Oh wow, I'm jealous. <clears throat> it was quite. It was, it was for Jing. Oh right, yeah, Jing. I, I love them. They're they're fantastic guys. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, first flush Darjeeling. First okay. flush Darjeeling. It is literally just the top two tips of the tea that picked mm, out in spring. We buy specific days of picks in a particular tea garden to be able to get a really delicate, fruity flavour out of the tea that gives us the flavours in our raw flush. The second one is our um, is a Dragonwell green tea, uh, that is a pan fried green tea from from China, different from from Japanese green teas which are steamed to so to stop uh, tea from oxidising. You effectively blanch it really quickly. The Japanese will steam it. The Chinese will pan fry it. So this is a, a Dragonwell Longjing tea, which again is considered the best of the uh, the Chinese green teas. Uh, and then we work with a, uh, a Yunnan tea from southern China. Uh, and this is a very high-grown Yunnan tea, just the other side from Assam, so it's got very similar characteristics mm. to, uh, to Assam teas. But you get really rich 
caramel notes uh, out in the in the tea. It's not you know, it's not a tea to be drunk with uh, with milk. You've got to taste it for its uh, for for its complexity of flavour. But we work with a tea that is just delicately smoky, and that comes mm. through again in the in the kombucha itself. Can I taste it then? You this may. is really interesting. Right, what, I, um, what should we taste first? While you open things up, it's interesting though, Sue, to hear someone talk about the teas that go into exactly. it. Because certainly, I think in the conversations I've had about kombucha, um, don't you, there's already we're already about to start making um, a mess here. Um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting to hear the idea that actually the different teas that are going in are affecting the flavors and, and 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 actually the way you produce tea so have you got the three different teas you've yeah, described i've got i've got the three here so what, what should we start with right. i mean i'm i'm fascinated by this because yeah. most of it i've tasted hasn't been brilliant right you you, you aren't you are in what is it, not a good area for sue which is known as the seed lip zone which is that sue hasn't <laughs> yet to find a non-alcoholic spirit that she likes i'm just trying to be honest though no yeah. it isn't sue we love your honesty well, let's let's see Let's whether we can it. convince you. Uh, and well, you know. So what we what we're tasting here is our royal flush. So royal flush is that first flush Darjeeling tea. Uh, it, from um, in, India. In, from India, uh, we um, we brew it very very delicately, very gently. Um, so you literally brew a cup of tea. We brew a very big cup of tea, pot of tea, yeah. um, and it brews to give you lovely notes of rhubarb, gooseberry, white peach. It has an acidic bite to it, but it's got a smoothness to it, um, which... I love that. <laughs> you love it. Yeah, I love it. Because, you see, for me, that tastes... I mean, it's interesting. A lot of... You, know, you often talk about the bitterness in that. Um, so when I did this tasting for Jing, they basically pulled over 16 of the best yeah. first flush Darjeeling's. And they're an, it's an incredibly light, clean... I have none of the words to describe it that people who... Do this stuff it's fresh fruity, again. aromatic, you know, delicate. And yeah. This this for me is really interesting because I think there's a lot of bitterness in a lot in a lot of kombucha. I don't think there's bitter it it it's not sweet, but it's very um I think it's a bit of um, I, I don't know the difference between bitter and sour, but it, the way I use that vocabulary, bitter to me is a is a is a, is not a good thing, whereas to me sour is. But that's just my mm. particular way of describing something. Of course some people would say that bitter is a good thing. So my, my way of describing sour is, is something that I like, whereas I use the word bitter when it's something that oh, makes me shiver because oh, mm. no. I'm struggling with that, David. Okay, Sorry. well, it's each there. I mean, look, we are... I, I can, you see, the thing is, me and Ollie taste a lot of food. I mean, yeah. a lot of drink and a lot of food. Um, and there's loads of stuff that I really, really appreciate. It's just not my particular yeah. taste profile. I really appreciate the complexity of that. We we are you know we serve now in really I think we've just gone over sixty Michelin star restaurants, um, and always that was always served in the space of a champagne prosecco um, prosecco like so you know you've got to take your head out of soft drink world into mm. that champagne and prosecco world. Um, uh, we're served in that in that environment. We're also doing you know we do a lot of food pairing, so we work with most of the top sommeliers uh, to pair with food. Many of them will say that we are the only non-alcoholic drink on the market that pairs well with food because you've got the acidity, I can absolutely say the that, complexity, um, mm. and the low the low level of sugar. It's also it um, all those flavors out. It's also the consistency and the mouth feel. I mean, some of the problems I got with the non-alcoholic spirits and particularly non-alcoholic wine, it just doesn't. Do you, it doesn't fill your mouth and make you excited somehow because it's, it's, it tends to be thinner um, or it's got a horrible back taste of some sort, which I always think of the spirits. Mm. It's quite difficult to recreate on a 
they're all getting better all the time. Um, th- this has got the mouthfeel or, or, or all the consistency of a, literally, of a, of a Prosecco, hasn't it? It has, oh. and it's, and it, I, I think it's, lo- I think it's really impressive. I think it's really, imp- Thank I, you. I, let's try the second one. I want to, I want to yeah. compare them and see how they're yeah. different, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. Are you saying that all of them, from the sort of um, dining perspective, are being used in that kind of Prosecco, sparkling wine, champagne moment? Or do you see them as being more versatile than that? No, we, well, we look at them as, from food pairing point of view, uh, as um, as wines. So you know, the uh, that royal flush will be white fish, white meat, cream sauce. So it sits in the same space as a uh, as a uh, full bodied white wine. So a white Burgundy uh, fits in the same space. This now is uh, our dry dragon. You're about to taste. Um, that for us is our dry Sauvignon Blanc. Because... You're going to like this less. Actually, I like that more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just smelt it and I was like, oh, okay, what's it be? Well, no, because you get citrus notes. You get grapefruit, lemon. So you get a drier, citrusy note out of it. Uh, and so that paired with green vegetables, with shellfish, uh, with green salads or with, green, with summer fruits uh, is an incredible um, uh, food pairing as well. You're sparkling it... Obviously, afterwards, aren't you? I mean, so it's got quite. I mean, it's got a, 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 a solid sparkle. I'm going to say it's not, yeah. you know, a light technically, but it's not also. You know, we call it, we call it sparkling. It's not fizzy. It's sparkling. No, but we um, all fermentation produces carbon dioxide, and so there is natural fermentation in the uh, in the drink itself. But we always will top it off because trying to get consistency of uh, of carbonation in in the the tank is is very very difficult. You see that citrus and green tea one. This this is the um, dry dragon one. I much much prefer that. I actually think the other one tastes more of fermentation. Sounds stupid. Um, whereas this one's got a, a really interesting flavour profile of its own. I think. But you see, the problem is my taste profile is I like big chunky white wines that are really mm. heavy, <laughs> um, and and I don't drink Sauvignon Blanc. It's not my it's not my flavour at all except for the very rare occasion. Um, but I do like this one. I, I think it's even more sophisticated, actually. It is, one. it is. It's much more sophisticated, that one. Yeah, you are. Let's well, go to the third. go to the third? third. We'll, take you, third. we'll take you off into a different direction, and now you'll see okay. the, the range of flavours you can uh, produce. So our smokehouse is... No, see, I know that this would be more me, because it, it would just be bigger. It, it, it is bigger. Yeah. yeah. It is, definitely. So smokehouse is brewed with this Yunnan tea from southern China. So black teas tend to brew to give you notes of apple and caramel. See? Right? Now... Um, <laughs> Most people are, I mean, across the board here, I'm always amazed by the, the breadth of flavour, but most people are most surprised by this because most people believe they're drinking a cider when they're drinking it. That's a no, that's, no, it's not a cider. Yes, it is. It isn't. <laughs> I, I, what I, I, ciders I, do you drink? I don't. I, I don't. live in Kent. I have loads of ciders. Yeah, you, so no, it's yeah. not a cider. You've got to stop drinking Strongbow. Um... <laughs> So thinking those, think in those northern Spanish dry cider, yeah. I and mean, we've had a yeah, cider maker who's, who who yeah. says who refused to believe that, no, that they agree. weren't drinking. I cider. think I think some of those European um, ciders that have that are very and very natural small batch ones do taste like that. Yes, and, and and what I'm saying is, in Kent, we've got some pretty good. You do, you do it properly, meaty ones. <laughs> you would not confuse that because because um, you know those have got a, those have got great taste profiles. This is this is 
in a way much more this is much lighter and much more sophisticated I would suggest I think the I, I punch think you between the eyes really sophisticated interesting drinks so how did you end up where, so where are you and how have you ended up here I suppose as in, in <laughs> the journey I? of the business you know I mean like <laughs> yeah, you know I'm really admit, you know so you're in yeah. 60 I mean, you're in restaurants with 60 mission stars that, yep. so you've obviously yep. got some we've got an incredible following in the in the upper end of the the restaurant market but we're also in Probably half of London's top hotels. We are uh, in the likes of you know the Hawksmoors and the Drakes and Morgans and the other uh, chains of, of that nature. D and D restaurants. We are now through a lot of the top end caterers, uh, regional pub groups, so Lanes, Fullers, uh, etc. And now we're rolling out through uh, a, a number of the the national pub chains um, because again. You know, the struggle is to find a proper non-alcoholic drink, something yeah. which you can sit down and savour and enjoy in the same way that you would enjoy alongside a uh, a beer, wine, or uh, or cider. Well, I would say, yeah, I love wine. I can't imagine life without wine. I just can't. You don't uh, need to. And, you know, and I will spend a lot of money on wine. I, you know, most bottles of wine that I have in my house are twenty, thirty, forty pounds. Um, and and it's a treat that I have, and that I treat myself, at, you know, at, at sort of weekends and stuff like that. Um, in turn, I don't think that I can compete with that, but it's not supposed to because you've got a bottle of wine that's forty or fifty quid. So of course it can't. However, if you're if you're like if for me, if I was um, not drinking and I was at a restaurant, or I uh, you know wanted something nice to go with dinner on a Monday night or a Tuesday night because I'm not drinking, that is that is a really good choice. I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> no, I, I never thought I said that. That's a really good choice. I agree because I, th- I think most grown up. Yeah, most of the drinks that are out there are very sweet mm-hmm. and are born of a I'm going to call it a childlike mentality of soft drinks. Mm-hmm. So they're all lemonades and colas and stuff that sort of cordials. Uh, and yeah. we, we've tasted some fantastic cordials on this. Yeah, program. I love elderflowers. Good elderflowers are great. But I, I just wouldn't think of having that with dinner. But the, the problem with anything that's sweet why. is that mm. it cloys the taste buds. It's ta- so because it, it's sweet, I think. It, it takes away from the food. Yeah, It, it mm. kills your taste buds and it, it stops you tasting the food. Mm. This is why most of the top um, chefs and sommeliers won't have uh, sweet soft drinks in their, in their restaurants. They want people to appreciate the, the quality yeah. of the food. So you need that, acid, you know, that acidity and that... Um, uh, that low sugar to be able to pull out those uh, those flavours, but also you know just think if you're taking a uh, a drink which has got 11 percent sugar in it, you take a glass that's two hundred to two hundred fifty calories in that in that mm. glass. Um, we're about forty calories in a bottle, so you pull out pour out a full glass of uh, of real kombucha, you're just consuming forty calories. It's a very different prospect. And I, I see, we we I remember mm. when we met the guys from Barajo, and and I'm I'm a bit, little bit less. Um, I, th- I think there's more to that sector than than than, than you do, or at least in terms of I think on the delivery, I think some are okay, but I I sort of feel like there's at the end of a long day. You know, we talked a lot with the Bradger guys about um, the idea of a transitional drink, yeah, and the idea of, of a moment of something, mm-hmm. you know, that's a sort of celebration and something that's interesting and, and worth finished work. work yeah, now finished in my work. I'm having you my know, lovely safe family yeah, space. The children in bed. I finished. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. weird, um, reading them, and you know, actually, this I think this is a really, really interesting. So, so you're so you're doing well in the in the hospitality trade, and just, what about just before you go on to that, though, Ollie? Um, there's some amazing tonics out there, and there I keep are. thinking, right, I'll sit down and have a tonic. Well, that doesn't do it for me either, even though there's some incredible ones at the moment, I, and I don't know why. 
but 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 this is this maybe it's because it feels like it's 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 in a wine space maybe that's in my head it feels you know well, I could have that in a... but I think what's interesting is if you we've met some people who are specifically designing mixers to be mixed yeah which is interesting because in the end tonic is yeah. is actually a drink in itself and a lot of those are you know I mean certainly what you know Tim and Charles have done at Fever Tree is about, you know, creating a, you know, really super premium product that is consistent and brilliant. But for me, it doesn't stand alone. It's yeah, part it of... I try and it just doesn't... <laughs> Listen, they recently did a deal with one of the coffee companies and actually they're now doing coffee and tonic mm. and things and playing around with it. Mm. But I think this... I mean, I think this is a really interesting space and I think that particularly with a younger generation who have not understood the potential of alcohol... Um, <laughs> You know, it's interesting that actually, I think this is this what? is a massive growth area. Yes, and and um, restaurants have got to stop looking at having wine lists, and they don't even put beers or or amazing ciders on 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 menus anymore. And they're really lazy, I think. And they'll they'll do loads and loads of work on on pairing wine with food. They don't do lots and lots of work of pairing beer and or cider or you know stuff like this and 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 i'm sure people want that choice and they're not getting it but i'd also go further and, and it links into my question about where you're stocked is that yeah. so i have this wonderful local wine merchant highbury vinton is up in in highbury barn and you know they have an amazing selection of wines sparkling spirits beers but actually they don't have a selection of non-alcoholic stuff of no. this stuff and actually I think I it's a real missed opportunity and I want because they curate, can curate it. Curate that for me. Mm. You know, bring some interesting stuff in that I can try because I will try it. I will try and I'm, I, I'm still struggling to find stuff where I come in at night and go, God, yeah, I'll have one of yep. those. I'll just go, I'll have a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, and but but that's where, you know, I mean, I, I have a minor obsession with Red Dragon, which is one of the Jing teas, mm-hmm. which is this sort of... It's absolutely... It is red. Oh. I mean, it, for me, it's, it's, it's actually stunning. what tea is supposed to taste yeah. like. When I found it, I've sort of got mildly obsessed by it. Mm. Um, even though my wife broke my teapot the other day. Anyway, <laughs> we'll discuss that. Um, but I, I've really struggled to find something like this. But where are you selling it? Because I think into the home, there just isn't the distribution at the moment, is there? Well, we are we are focused on the on-trade. Now, um, particularly because we want to ensure that people are experiencing this for the first time in an environment where they would otherwise be consuming alcohol. Because... So, so it has a status, yeah, well, you think, yeah, in a way. It, it's, I'm not, I'm not it's, saying that in a detrimental way. I'm saying it has a status because we've got an amazing restaurant here and they recognise it's good, therefore... Oh, I might try this at home. Just to note, Sue has just poured a second glass. Shut up. She's actually Shut filled up. up. We started the thing Shut where up, Ollie. Sue was like, kombucha is, is, the, is the spawn of Satan. It's the devil. And now we're in Shut a place up. where Sue's actually going in for a second and two different glasses. I'm trying. I'm, 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 She's, yeah. Yeah. But it's also... But, 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 but if, you know, if, if, a, if a really famous restaurant's got it, again, going, actually, this is interesting. I might try this at home. You know, you're doing it that way around rather than doing it to consumer first and then, and you know... Yes, but it's also the um, the experience of it first because you're sitting there with it poured in a lovely glass. As you talk about this break moment between the day, the evening, you want to chill out, alcohol tends to fill that space for you. And we want to encourage people to be thinking of it in those terms rather than it's something that you just crack a bottle and neck it as you do with a soft drink. And that, that changing behavior is to make people understand that you can take non-alcoholics or there are non-alcoholics out there that have that same level of complexity sophistication 
the work. I mean, we you know, the, the production of this is far more complicated than any wine or beer. Sorry, any. Uh, so that's all the, all the wine and um, beer specialists out there are going to come back at me straight away on that. But it's as a fermentation, there is it's enormous, enormously complex fermentation, and we com- we ferment for two to eight weeks in process as well. So it's a it's a big process, mm. and therefore savoring the flavors that come out of it in the same way you will savor a great craft beer or your great wine is important when you're doing it. Um, so we don't want people just to be uh, picking up off a soft drinks aisle and then taking it home and expecting that they're going to get a sweet soft drink. Yeah, absolutely. Education process. Well, really what you're, are you basically saying that I can't buy this unless I'm in a restaurant? Well, no. So we are sold in Whole Foods. Okay. Um, so you can buy there. You can buy it online um, through us and through a whole series of uh, other partners. We, just yeah, get it delivered. That we work with. Yeah. Uh, but we don't yet, and we will at the right point. But we don't yet work with any of the the major multiples because at the point, and we are look, we are in discussions with with two or three of them. Hmm. But it's the only but way we're going to do it, it is yeah, when we're the on key. the beer, wine, and spirits aisle. We are served properly. They probably won't. We serve it. Mm. We we sample in store. You know, all of the communication around it is critical. Mm. It doesn't just go on the soft drinks aisle. Ollie, do you think this is a better option than trying to do de-alcoholized, de-alcoholized spirits and wines and beers? Because I, because for me, I have to say actually, you no. Know, going back on that, I think there's some amazing beers at the moment that, that, I that, that ghost, really, ghost and, and some of that is really. Yeah. I've started buying uh, some great beers that I love that that doesn't don't have alcohol in, and honestly, you could just can't taste the difference really. Um, but as far as wine and, and some of the spirits are concerned. Should we be de-alcoholising or actually looking for... This is a thing in its own right. It's an alternative in its own right. So let me go up a level. Does that make sense? Completely. Mm. So for me, I think what matters in the world of food and drink is that you produce a product that is true to its ingredients and delivers an outcome at the end of it that's great. Mm. And if I think about, I think a lot of the stuff that's going on in the the meat, non-meat sector at the moment, I have real problems with it because on one level I'm like, give me a vegetable. Mm. You know, or give me a pulse. So I think that what I what I or don't make me excited about. Vegetables. Yeah, yeah. It, but what I don't like is the idea of going through an incredibly complicated process to end up at an outcome that's just this less that. And so for me, I don't have a problem with you know a, n- a non-alcoholic beer if it's true to its ingredients and it produces something that's great and doesn't have to do all sorts of completely weird and complicated processes it to get awful Yeah, to, to make it work and the rest of it. it. So, because I mean, actually I, that's going back to processed food in a way. Correct, which is the bit that I'm you know, no, absolutely like. 100% against. And and that's, I, I think, what's difficult for things like kombuchas is, is how you get the groundswell around them. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, I think, is, is that they're still a very marginal art. People aren't doing them a lot at home. There isn't the sort of, you know, I mean, from certainly from research we did at Great British Chefs back, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, it was points of percentage points people had made kombucha at home, mm. uh, and they really are the hardcore. Mm. But, but you know, it, I think these are, you know, these are just great drinks, and they happen to be made in a really interesting and, you know, and and, and way. we were talking about gut health, you know, to start with, you, you know, th- th- this is a plant based thing. It is a plant based drink. The only ingredients in that bottle are tea. the tea we used to ferment with, the sugar that starts off below the level of the sugar tax to start mm. with. So it's around half half of the amount that you put in a uh, in a soft drink to start with, or a third, mm. and most of that's fermented out, and the culture we used to ferment with. There is absolutely nothing else in there. 
And all it is, is it goes into a big pot, sits there for a while, we pump it out, and we put it in a bottle. But look, one of the things you were sort of making faces about earlier was the whole gut health <clears> thing. And, I, and <throat> I suppose actually having drunk these, I understand why. Because yeah, I, I think, I don't, don't think, this, this, is, this is also, is not a health drink. This is not a, you know, and, and that again is what worries me about, you know, the, some of the kombuchas and other stuff is, yeah. are they seen as, you know, I'm looking at a, a fellow bearded male opposite <laughs> me. But, you know, are these sort of things that, you know, bearded males in East London drink once a year? Um, and the rest of the time they're drinking Stella. I mean, I I think to make this a real market, it's got to you know it's got to cut through and and inspire people. And that's and that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing in this. You know, we we are not trying to produce a uh, a niche gut health drink, right? Don't get me wrong. The the properties of our kombuchas are as good, if not better, than all the other kombuchas out there in the market. So that's not the question. But if you produce a clear, clean drink that has a beautiful flavour profile that sits alongside a wine or champagne, everybody is going to uh, f- find a reason to drink it. Now, our mantras are about reducing alcohol consumption and reducing sugar, or let's say reducing alcohol consumption without going into sugars, mm. right? Mm. Because the only options on the bar right now, and, and I as a as a virtual non-drinker, you know, coming to where, where this comes from in the first instance, it was pretty much, I, I still drink some great wine from time to time, um, but as a virtual non-drinker, this uh, enabled me to drink something that was interesting because as I walk into a pub or a restaurant or a bar, what am I offered? Oh, you can have a fruit juice we or a joke that it's um, coke from a gun. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. even even the cocktails that are made, those those mocktails, ten percent, twelve percent, even up to fifteen percent. By the time you put the sugar syrups in there, I, I, I hate that stuff to start with. It mm. kills food. Uh, it's not sophisticated, uh, and so it's being able to give people a proper option. You know, we hear you know some of the research now. So you know, over thirty percent of the of the um, the sixteen to twenty four age group now is teetotal. That is going across age groups now, mm. but it's not just about teetotal. It's about how we're changing our relationship with alcohol. Mm. So you mentioned you know on a Monday night, on a Wednesday night, when you're not going to sit down to uh, a big night with uh, with several yeah. glasses of wine, but you want something in complexity. Fine on a Friday or Saturday night, you might want to go out you might want to have a blowout but you can then make your own choices and we hear in the industry that the biggest challenge to people when they want to quit alcohol is not having another option Mm. and it is it is when i walk into a restaurant as a non-drinker i still take a glass of wine when i walk into a pub i still take a beer go figure Because there's nothing else on the on offer. No, there. nothing decent, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, a and very it, interesting topic. It's about. It's also mm. about the cultural moment, isn't it? Which is there is something about you know the beer being pulled. Mm. You know, the, you know that we, we you know associations die hard. You know, mm. I mean, we we all see those moments and we we can we can empathise with them. Mm. I think these are really interesting. I think it's a really interesting. And I think it's mm, a really you know interesting new debate. frontier. And I, I, what I really like is that you're genuinely focusing on the core ingredients that are going in and creating something that's different because... It stands up on its own. It does. Yeah. Well, I would say... Convert. <laughs> oh, Convert. <goodness> me. <laughs> it's the only kombucha that I've actually... I've actually I think is okay. And and um, for me, uh, particularly the Smokehouse and the Dragon one. Dry Dragon. What it's called, yeah. Dry Dragon. Mm. I think the Dry Dragon for me, uh, the, it's got a nice citrus edge. Uh, which I think I do think that would pair with some fish or something very nicely, actually. 
yeah. I would say, and um, Smokehouse. And, and for me as well, um, quite a lot of people who are coming to my house who, who say, I'm driving tonight or I'm not drinking, I really struggle to know what to, to, to give them when we're having food. I do struggle to give them a choice as well, even if I wasn't drinking it myself. Feel welcome. Hmm. Hmm. Shut up, you. At least I cook <laughs> nice things better than you. What you cook at your house and you invite people. <laughs> we had a very good, we had a good barbecue the other day with all sorts of fun yeah, stuff. But you did. Um, barbecuing squirrel. No, do you know? Actually, I did actually. I, did, I made. I made a pilgrimage to Billingsgate Market and bought some sashimi grade tuna. Well, I'm very glad you amazing. talked about that because next week we're talking um, about moxons. Yeah, don't tell him that I went to. Um, I didn't go to his shop because I normally do go there. <laughs> Okay, I won't. So we will talk about uh, fishmongers next week. But um, so, um, David, thank you so much um, for talking about that. a really interesting um, topic, mm. actually. And I think we're going to see more and more of it. Um, wish we could have a bit more of this going on, actually. Don't you? David doesn't. He's happy with you. No, no, I'm, but you're happy, happy at the moment. Yeah, I bet you are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will do some links from the Food Talk website Um to Real Kombucha, so you can you you, you can um, find out what we're all talking about. Um, again, David Begg of Real Kombucha, thank you so much for joining us, and thank, thank you, you for bringing those. It's very kind of you. Really enjoyed it. Um, you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. Uh, as you know, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd. That was good. That was great. You you mm. you were dreading this program. <laughs> And look at that. that. It was, you know, that it doesn't make David feel very welcome, does it? Well, he, he feels very welcome now, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I just like to be honest. I don't think our listeners want to just. No, they don't want you just to. Just you know, liking everything that goes on the show. That's not very helpful, is it? Yeah. No, no. no. Also, we've all got our own taste profiles, yeah, which is, which is fine. Um, actually, Holly would have liked that. Holly she would have liked that. She would love that. And, um, She's if not you, here, so she can't. She help. isn't, no. And we're going to drink it all before she, uh, we see her again. If you want to recommend any future guests, somebody doing something groundbreaking, just like uh, David and the Real Kombucha team, uh, please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to hundreds of our podcasts um, going back years now, go to foodtalk.co.uk. I hope you have a good week. Bye. Bye.